Welcome to Southern New Hampshire University's Social Sciences podcast, Agents of Change. Here we invite students and professionals to chat with us on topics of inclusion and diversity, student success, and their learning experiences. In this podcast, we will hear insights and personal accounts of people who have persisted against the odds and impacted positive social change. Join us as we learn how we can all be positive agents of change. This is Laman Tash, your host for International Women's Day's edition of our podcast series, Agents of Change. Maya Angelou said once, each time a woman stands up for herself without knowing it possibly, without claiming it, she stands up for all women. Today is International Women's Day when we remember and acknowledge all amazing women who often silently make huge changes in our lives. These days, more than ever, we need to remember how important women's voices are. I have here with me five guests from the Southern New Hampshire University who are going to share stories of wonder women who inspired them, and we hope will inspire you. So my name is Sir Abington, and I have uh, I retired from the U.S. Army in 2018 and started teaching as an adjunct for SNU back in January of 2020. I have taught a variety of different criminal justice courses um, from intro to criminal justice to communication skills. Um, and I'm currently teaching two simultaneously intro to criminal justice courses. And I have uh, I first want to say to all the incredible women that are on this podcast right now. Um, happy. International Women's Day. I mean, every day could be Mother's Day, like my mom used to say, Um and because I know the it was important to me that I didn't look at the initial email that was sent out about this and just kind of breeze it off as just a woman's event. But I was very in tune with the fact that I wouldn't be where I'm at right now had it not been for the sacrifice, dedication, commitment, love, loyalty um, of women in my life. I come from a family of incredible women, and I'm going to talk about um, the most incredible woman that I've ever known who is solely responsible for me being where I am right now. And that's my mom, Carolyn Abington. Um, we're from Tulsa, Oklahoma. And if you remember back in history, 1921, uh, it was an event known as Black Wall Street. It was the first domestic terror attack on our country. And that's where we're from. That's the part of town that we're from. In 100 years, that part of town has never been rebuilt. They rebuilt around every other part of town. But in that part of town, my mom was a single mother to four kids. Me and my brothers and sisters all had different dads. We grew up in a housing project in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And what I always noticed about my mom was no matter the circumstance, she always persevered. I knew about resilience before I knew what the word meant. Of course, I hear the word now. I heard the word a lot in my military career. But I watched a resilient woman raise four very active, very energetic, very kind of all over the place children and never lose sight of who she was, um, what her job was or her influence. And what has always amazed me is from that union, from my mom and, and I'm the youngest of my four brothers and sisters. Me and my brother and I both have retired from the military. We both have earned our PhDs. 
I have a sister who's on earned a bit who's owned a business for over 25 years. And I have another sister who works for the University of Tulsa. A single mom raised four children that are highly successful. And I've always and I tell that story and even as a parent, because I have four children and I always think back to my mom and I wonder, well, what made her. What what made her produce. Us like she did, and I always think my mom didn't do anything out of the blue. I hear these stories of folks saying when I got home from school, my mom sat down and made us go over these words or I didn't understand this word. And my mom made me pick up a dictionary and look, I didn't get any of that. What I did get was consistency. My mom was always there. She was tough. She had rules. You can imagine a single mom with growing kids, boys who were taller than her by the time we were 10. But she always stood her ground. She was tough and she was very consistent. And I, I and when and when I heard about this day and this opportunity, I jumped on and wrote because I can talk about my mom all day long. Because we live in a day and age where people, the expectations of people become just um, where they just kind of expect and don't appreciate. And I don't know if your moms or if you're but I want to say thank you. And I'm speaking to the women on this this podcast and any women who may be listening. Thank you for what you do to keep us running. We don't and a lot of times, men, we don't want to give it credit, but our lives are enhanced by the women that are in it. You know, you can take a house. Yeah, we buy the house, but or we or we or we we want to make sure everyone has somewhere. To, but you make it look nice. You make it look, you know, if you come to my house right now, it's me and my kids. You can tell very quickly that there's an absence of a woman here, you know, um, and that could be, you know, whether that's from a cleaning perspective or whatever. But I just, you know, um, I am very, very grateful and I'm very um, honored to have the opportunity to be able to talk about my mom and just uh, continue to give her the the praises that she's due because of the life that I have and what I've been able to accomplish. So I am very, very grateful. And this is my story. Greetings. My name is Tani Michelle Brown, and I am an adjunct professor of psychology at SNU. My Wonder Woman story is focused on my mentor, Dr. Francine Edwards. Dr. Edwards is a native Washingtonian that currently resides in Delaware. Dr. Edwards earned degrees from James Madison University, Bowie State University, and Howard University. She also holds a certificate in women in educational leadership from Harvard University and is a member of the Rutgers Aspiring Presidential Leadership Program third cohort. Additionally, Dr. Edwards has given two TEDx talks on race and ethical digital content creation. Today, Dr. Edwards is the Deputy Chief Administrator Officer at Delaware State University. To achieve this high-ranking position in higher education required Dr. Edwards to travel the road less traveled, which is one of the many reasons I admire her resilience and strength. Dr. Edwards began her career in television production and on-air talent in Washington, D.C. at Black Entertainment Television on the weekly one-hour live television show, Teen Summit. Teen Summit dealt with the everyday issues teenagers face and attempted to bring them into perspective and a positive, uplifting light while motivating teen viewers and their families to discuss the subjects presented on the show. After 13 years of dedicating her career to television at Black Entertainment Television, along with hosting musicians, politicians, and athletes, Teen Summit was canceled 
resulting in a loss of employment for the producers and on-air talent, including Dr. Edwards. This was the beginning of Dr. Edwards making the choice to travel the road less traveled and redefine her career path in life. When Teen Summit officially ended in the early 2000s, Dr. Edwards returned to school and earned a master's degree in strategic communication at Bowie State University. And upon completion, she earned a PhD in organizational communication at Howard University. These positive choices allowed Dr. Edwards to transition from an amazing career in television production and on-air talent to a dynamic career in higher education. While pursuing her doctoral degree, Dr. Edwards taught courses at Prince George's Community College, Howard University, and Bowie State University in the role of an adjunct and assistant professor. Eventually, she joined the faculty of Delaware State University in 2007 and has held many positions, including associate professor, tenured professor, AAUP union president, department chair, interim dean, and now deputy chief administrative officer. In summary, I would like the audience to know Dr. Edwards did not allow the loss of one amazing career in television production and on-air talent deter her from continuing to thrive professionally and personally. She has achieved many accomplishments in higher education while maintaining humility, gratitude, service, and extending herself as a mentor to many, including me. Most important, she is a daughter, sister, wife, and mother who truly is her family's superhero. In closing, Dr. Edwards is important to me because she has been my mentor throughout my entire career in higher education, and she continues to open doors for me to have opportunities that allow me to grow professionally and personally. I am fortunate to have such an accomplished leader as my mentor that cheers me on and believes in my ability to achieve my goals. And this is my story. Hello. My name is Jackie Marcoux, and I am a knowledge management consultant for the student experience team and an adjunct fa faculty member here at SNHU. When I talk about the collection of tattoos that live on my left wrist and my plans for more in the future, I tell people the 221 is for my birthday, which I shared with my father. The infinity is to infinity and beyond for my younger brother because Toy Story is his love. Next, I plan to get a D20 for my older brother because we bond over Dungeons and Dragons. Finally, I'm looking for a quote to represent my mom to place at the bottom because she holds the rest of us up. She holds the rest of us up and she's able to do so because of the love and support she provides despite her own life challenges. My mother's father was a firefighter in Massachusetts. When she was 11, he passed away suddenly of a brain aneurysm while at work. Her mother quickly remarried and four years later, my mother moved to Maine to finish out high school but away from her friend group that she had built. She met my father at a party that her cousin was hosting. She initially misheard that he was dating someone else at the time, but once it was clarified that wasn't the case, love blossomed. They were married, and my older brother was born in 1990. I was a unplanned 
planned child number two. They had planned to have another child, but just not as soon as I came into the picture in 1992. In 1995, my younger brother was born and surprised everyone with his bright red hair. In 1996, I had my hearing tested as a four-year-old because I was missing important information when she, my father, and others would speak to me. I was diagnosed with a bilateral hearing loss. The diagnosing doctor told her that you don't want hearing aids for her because of the stigma. This began my mother's amazing effort to be a successful and passionate disability advocate. She took me for a second opinion and got me the hearing aids I desperately needed. A year or so later, it was determined that my younger brother was not developing at the pace he should have been. A diagnosis told us he has isodicentric 15, which is a duplication of his 15th chromosome. He likely would never speak and hasn't verbally and would need therapy and care for the rest of his life. Instead of allowing that information to devastate her, she sprung into further action to get him the care and support he needed. When I was eight, my father was diagnosed with leukemia. My mother stayed strong for all of us as my father spent months in the hospital for chemo and a bone marrow transplant. She worked to make that time as normal as possible. My father successfully fought his cancer and was in remission. After Christmas in 2003, my father went out to do Christmas gift returns and exchanges. The following morning, he woke up shivering and my mother raced him to the hospital. When my brother, older brother and I went to visit him in the hospital, my mother ensured that I understood my father when he told me he loved me because she could tell that I hadn't understood the first time, but I pretended I did. Within a day, my father had succumbed to the illness his weakened immune system could not fight. My mother became a widow like her mother had, and I was the same age as she was when she lost her father. My mother continued to show strength as she became a single mother with two of her children facing significant disabilities. She continued her work in advocating for all of her children in school and in life. She supported my old her brother and I as we achieved our bachelor's degrees. She also went back to school to achieve her associate's degree while caring for my younger brother and working full-time. Today, my mother supports my younger brother as he lives independently from her 70% of the time with round-of-clock care providers. She has found love again, and together they have raised a puppy for the same service dog program that I have gotten my two service dogs from. Additionally, she continues to support my older brother and I as we hit life milestones, such as each of us buying homes, my brother's marriage and children, and my earning of a master's degree. Her trials and lessons learned have made her an amazing, loving, compassionate, supportive person and mother. The strength she has shown throughout life leaves me in awe of her, and I am inspired. I could not be prouder to call her my mother, and this my story. My name is April Overman, and I am a career law enforcement professional. I served in law enforcement for over 25 years and retired at the rank of police captain. And now I teach uh, criminal justice at SNU. The most important influence during my law enforcement career was Deputy Chief Carol Hewlett of the police department. When I entered law enforcement in 1985, there were very few women in my chosen career. Most of those served as commissioned law enforcement um, in gender-specific roles, dispatchers, desk officers, or juvenile counselors. These were the same career paths 
mass that had been open to female law enforcement officers since the 1920s. And despite progress made by the second wave feminist movement, no real progress had been made for six years toward involving women in more command level roles, at least not in the South. Um, soon after I graduated the police academy, we got a pioneering superintendent who appointed the agency's first female deputy police chief. But she wore a uniform with a skirt, clearly distinguishing herself from the men in the department. And she was the deputy chief over management and administration. Chief of detectives and chief of patrol were still offits to female personnel. But at least it was a step in the right direction to finally have a first female police or deputy police chief. But even more important, that same pioneering superintendent appointed the agency's first female district commander. This was big news for an eager young female cop. It was a very loud, clear message that doors were opening for women in law enforcement and not only as administrators or counselors. That female district commander was Lieutenant Carol Hewlett. After a couple of years in patrol, I moved into Major Case Narcotics Division and was blessed to have worked with uh, then-Lieutenant Carol Hewlett for a couple of years. She proved to be a gritty, tough, street-savvy person, which is the image she gave from afar, but I saw her up close, and she absolutely lived to that image. She even wore pants like the men, and she ran a very tight ship. She was everything I envisioned a female law enforcement officer should be, and then some. She showed us all the importance of stepping up to fill manly roles and never backing down from a challenge. She had a stellar integrity record and could always be counted on whenever the chips were down. She didn't just talk the talk. She absolutely unequivocally walked. Her unsurpassed talent, her success as a leader, was legendary. She was adored by the community, she was feared by the bad cops, and she was respected by the good cops. She was fair, treated everyone with respect, and she was never afraid to stand beside her men and women in the trenches. Even though I worked under her directly for a very short period of time, she continued to make a lasting impression as I watched ascend through the ranks. She was ultimately appointed deputy chief and was a finalist in the nationwide search for a superintendent. The mayor, unfortunately, decided to recruit his superintendent from out of state. So deputy chief Hewlett was passed over for the superintendent's position and she retired soon after. But her legacy has served as a shining example for generations of women entering law enforcement in New Orleans and throughout the South. She laid out the roadmap for how to be a highly respected woman in law enforcement. It has been 30 years since she retired. And during that time, many women, including myself, has struck, have struggled to keep her momentum going. Until last year, the state of Louisiana still had never had a female superintendent or chief of police, ever. There had been a few decades deputy chiefs, woman had ever achieved the top leadership position in any agency throughout the state. I was one of many women who struggled to model my career after Chief Hewlett, only to fall short when it came to achieving that top job. But her example helped me to build my case and to successfully fight the discrimination in federal court. You see, I was passed over, just like Chief Hewlett was, as police chief for the city of Baton Rouge in 2011. 
Despite all of the challenges, just four months ago, 30 years after Deputy Chief Hewlett was passed over for Superintendent of Police, New Orleans Police Department has finally seen its first top. A woman was appointed Superintendent of the New Orleans Police Department in December of 2022. Today's progress would have never been possible without the stellar role models of the past. Women like Deputy Chief Hewlett paved the way for future generations to become leaders throughout the law enforcement profession. And that is my story. Hello, everyone. My name is Dr. Irina Zlatagorova-Schulman. I currently teach business and industrial organizational psychology courses at Southern New Hampshire University and the Chicago School of Professional Psychology. I'm also a writer and a public speaker. As you can probably tell, I'm bilingual. My native language is Russian. I grew up in the era of the Cold War and under the Soviet Union regime. Thus, my experience and those who influenced my life greatly differ from some of my colleagues. In Russia, International Women's Day celebrated on March 8th is a holiday that honors all women, particularly those who influenced and inspired us. As a child, my role model was Valentina Tereshkova, the first woman who traveled to space. She flew a solo mission on the Vostok 6 spaceship on June 16, 1963, orbiting the Earth 48 times and spending almost three days in space. Tereshkova remains the only woman to have completed a solo space mission. Before joining the space program, Valentina worked as a textile factory worker and secretly from her family trained in skydiving. Her experience in skydiving contributed to her interest in pursuing of becoming a cosmonaut. She was recruited and selected as one of the top Russian female pilots in 1962. Her mission was to conduct medical studies on humans in space flights and compare data about the effects of space travel on women. After her successful mission, Tereshkova became a national and international role model, receiving volumes of congratulatory letters from around the world, particularly from women. As a child, I was proud that a Russian woman had accomplished this feat. It inspired me to dream big and work hard to achieve my goals. After I immigrated to the United States after the collapse of the Soviet Union in the 1990s, I continued to pursue my dreams. I earned an advanced degree in the business field. I climbed the top of my career ladder and then decided to work in academia, teaching young professionals about how they could reach their goals. My daughter, who is 26 now, told me more than once that I was her role model and she also believed that she could accomplish anything she wanted to. I'm proud to share that she earned a master's degree in cybersecurity and works for the U.S. Air Force as a civilian. As I have matured, my role models have changed and Tereshkova is no longer my hero due to her political views. Nevertheless, she inspired many people, especially girls, to reach their full potential and discover what they are capable of. My mission, although not as excited, not as exciting as the mission of a, an astronaut, is to mentor and coach others on how to achieve their goals and personal fulfillment. To all girls and women who are listening to this podcast, I offer this advice. If you want something, go for it. The sky is not the limit and neither is space.
and this is my story. I would like to thank all my guests for this truly goosebump giving and inspirational stories. This is Lemantash, and this was International Women's Day edition of Agents of Change. Thank you for listening to Southern New Hampshire University's Agents of Change, a social sciences podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast, rate and review us, and be on the lookout for more exciting episodes. Goodbye for now.